Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. My amazing guest today is Ron Zeller. Say hello, Ron. Hi. (laughs) I'm so glad to be here with you today. We've had a number of conversations just in the last few days, or at least one conversation, that got me reconnected to you. And Ron, there was a powerful... (laughs) experience that I had a few years ago at Lake Tahoe, Nevada, where you were presenting at a conference, and I had an opportunity to visit with you in a smaller group setting in in your room after one of the bigger presentations. And you taught me something that stayed with me for a long time, but to put some context on this for our listeners, you are an amazing human being. No, that's a name. Why? <laughs> why? I don't know. Maybe it's genetics. No, I mean, where are you? Maybe looking? it's choice. I mean, why do you say that? More accurate question. <laughs> and I say that because of the impact that you've had on my life and on others' lives. You've been in the business of transformation yeah, for a long time. Making a difference. Having people get beyond their normal lives into uh, new possibilities. Whatever the normal is for them, creating yeah, a new possibility. Yeah. And that's something that we've labeled transformation. Yeah, that's kind of one of the terms that describes it nowadays. Yeah. When that first term first came out, if you used it, you're a wacko. Oh, yeah? When, when people first started to talk about transformation, it was only wackos that talked that way. Oh, it's funny. You can find it in the Bible. Yeah. 2,000 years ago, the word transformation. Right. Amazing. And the idea and concept of transformation. Right. Like Paul on the road to Damascus. I think it was Damascus. Mm -hmm. Uh, Suddenly, he stopped persecuting, persecuting Jews and early Christians and, you know, became part of the group. Suddenly. Mm-hmm. Just like that. That's an element of transformation. It's not slow change or even right. big change. It's whoa, beyond anything expected and quick. It's like a whole new creature. Good way of saying it. Yeah. Caterpillar to butterfly. Right. So the reason that I said you're an amazing human being is because as, as I was sitting in this conference in Lake Tahoe, you introduced a concept that I think you labeled <clears throat> naming. Do you remember that? I do, yeah. Tell us about that. Well, What is this process of naming? It's probably the most powerful quality we human beings have, is to name things. 
if you look in the Bible, one of the first things, I like to refer to it, because it's got some interesting things in it. One of the first things Adam is asked to do by God is to name the animals. Uh-huh. Now that sounds kind of weird. I mean, God ought to be able to figure out the names of the animals. <laughs> you think you might have an opinion about that. But you know what? They didn't have any names. They were just things. So first, one of the first things Adam named was a horse. They didn't call uh -huh. it a horse. He looked at it and called it a jumping thing. Okay. Now, if he had called it a great lunch, the future uh. horses would have been different. <laughs> so when he named it, he created the relationship humans would have to it. That's right. So naming creates a relationship. And naming then exists there before anything happens. It's now colored by the name. And your behavior toward that thing is determined by the name that you give it. If a father names his son stupid, that's right. kind of the end of that son's life. Now, you're not talking about the legal name that we put on the birth certificate. No, that's just a placeholder. Right, because the real names that we create happen as we begin to interact with and form a relationship with. And, and with ourselves, we name ourselves. So if I name That's myself right. as worthless in life, well, I'll live that way. That's the power of a name. Mm -hmm. You know, my wife, I love to fix her. I can always see things that need fixing in people. <laughs> and when a wife's there, see it more clearly because yeah. you're there so much right. so we had a relationship in which money I wanted a, a family where we had a business like arrangement and we were partners uh -huh. especially about money mm -hmm. <laughs> but I would print out the month's bills and the month's money coming in, make a copy, give it to her, and two minutes later, I'd find it on the ground, crumpled up. Mm. She didn't want to have anything to do with it. Uh -huh. Money, that's not my problem. And about seven years ago, in a course, I again pointed that out. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm going to give you a new name today. Uh huh. Name I'm going to give you is Money Magnet. <laughs> so I gave her the name Money Magnet, and her life changed almost instantly. And now she makes more money than 95% of people on the planet. <laughs> and not only That's that, right. she balances the accounts to a penny. In less time, it would take her to balance pennies before. Right. She's just, she shows the accountants where they're making errors. 
That's the power of a name that we humans have. That so what changed? And we don't Trump? claim it. Right, we don't claim the power. No, that's what changed. She claimed the power. Of the and name. part of that is because of the power of the name. I'd say ninety-five percent or ninety-nine percent power wasn't there before. So it's it was there, latent, and unexpressed. Right. But the name, like a horse is a jumping thing. Yeah. The name distinguishes what's there already. So mm -hmm. others can relate to it and make it more real. As well as in the case of humans, to ourselves, Because animals don't name themselves. But we name an animal. Right. And, you know, we love our pets because we name it something lovable. If we said, this is the cat from hell, well, we'd probably relate to it different. I think that's a name some people pick for their pet. Well, I saw a show on TV, The Cat from Hell. Somebody did it. <laughs> I it, think I'm familiar with that It even looks evil. One. When you see the picture, the cat, it's like it's got little beady eyes. She's looking for trouble to get into. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is a natural human tendency, and I think realizing that we do it is an important step. <clears throat> That yeah. we do this name and we can't stop. We're you don't see it, you're dead meat. Yeah. It just happens and you go along for the ride like an animal. Right. But if you see it, you can start consciously choosing to name events and people in empowering ways that shift it for you and for that and them. Because it changes something. Changes the relationship. Right. And we have the power of communication, which is the power of relationship, to realize our relationships. So these relationships, you're not just talking about a marriage or a That's business partnership. Relationship, but not the only one. We have relationships with ourselves. We have relationships with money, everyone and everything. Is that fair? If your son was over in Nepal trekking, you'd have a different relationship. Then they don't know where he is now. You'd have a different relationship to the earthquake than it was just, oh, hum, 6,000 people died, oh, hum. Right. And, it, and the difference <coughs> is the name that you're giving that event. Yep. It carries a whole different meaning. Yeah. I like the way you say that. Carries a whole meaning. Name, naming gives meaning. That's right. And nothing means anything till you name it. That's right. There is no meaning. There's just what is. Right. You know, just what is. And then you assign a name to it and behave accordingly. So, if I name the tree in my backyard a cherry tree, well, I'll probably relate to it differently than it's just some worthless tree. 
or a weed. Yeah, that's a good example. All the things that are named weeds that most people pay no attention to that natives and Native Americans knew were great, powerful, healing herbs. Mm -hmm. And we call them weeds, like milk thistle, mm -hmm. used to uh, detoxify the liver. Yeah. But for most people, just a weed. Even, um, what's that one you touch and you start to itch? Uh, stinging nettle? Exactly. Stinging nettle. Very powerful healing herb when made into a tea. Yeah. But if you didn't have that name, if nobody named that, it'd be just a word to serve to most people. Yes. This is a powerful concept. Uh, since I heard you teach this at Lake Tahoe, I've shared it with numerous clients because they name themselves. They name their spouse. They name their children. They name their job. They name their circumstances. Yeah. They name their diagnosis. Yep. It's all a superstition. I, I... Is a superstition. Me it's a name. is a superstition. Mm -hmm. Well, you could say most names are superstitions unless we claim the power of it. Right. Now, the Eskimos are a good example. If I went up to um, the Arctic Circle, I'd be dead quick. But Eskimos <laughs> aren't. Because right. not only do they name snow, but they got 27 different names for snow. Depending on what their experience is with it, what kind of snow. Was in the past. Right. Once named, they know how to relate to it. So this is snow for melting the drink. Mm -hmm. And this is snow to make a house out of. And this is snow to track animals, food, and on and on and on. Mm -hmm. They turned snow and their relationship with snow into something very powerful by naming. That's right. Now, if you raise a kid with love and train him how precious and special he is, chances are he turns out not the same as if you spend your time naming him stupid and uh, rebellious and never amount to anything. Most yeah. people don't overcome that conditioning. And speaking of that, I don't think there's ever an instance where a kid has been placed in a mental institution and recovered. Hmm. Because they were named by everybody there and everybody knew them, and that was that. I don't think, I've so, been able to find an instance where anybody spent any appreciable time as a child, mm -hmm. let's say below the age of 13, and ever fully recovered their self as a human. And if we could find an instance of that, it would probably require that that person renamed themselves. Yeah. Took on a new name. And maybe the whole world 
conspired to join him. Because it's not enough for me to walk around if everyone else reaffirms that I'm no good at this and no good at that. That leads beautifully, Ron, into the next section. As we come back from this break, let's talk about how that process <coughs> has affected the way that we look at some other things like aging, for example. Yeah. Well, even that name. Yeah. The name of aging. What's that really about? It's not about me. It's about my body. So but that's... If I name myself my body, whoa, where does that take me? Yeah. That's exactly what we'll dig into as we get into this next part of the show. Stay with us. Thank you for listening to Live On Purpose Radio. We're so glad to have you here. Please come by the website, drpauljenkins.com, spelled with a D-R, drpauljenkins.com. On the website, you'll have an opportunity to receive a free download. And while you're there, make sure you click on the social media icons. Come over to Facebook, where we will be posting these episodes as well as our YouTube videos and other content and announcements for you to share. Please like us, comment, subscribe, join the conversation. We're happy to have you with us here at Live On Purpose Radio. Let's all support each other to live on purpose. DrPaulJenkins.com You've heard the question a hundred times. Is the glass half empty or half full? If we are in negativity mode, we see the glass as half empty. Anyone can see it's half empty. When we are feeling negative, we focus on what is missing and lament the lack of water in the glass. When we are feeling more positive, we see the glass is half full. Of course it is half full. Anyone can see that. We focus on what we desire and celebrate the presence of water. Then there are those who see it as completely full all the time. These seemingly crazy people are not just positive. They are pathologically positive. Pathological positivity is an empowering mental supernormality that lifts us above the normal perception of reality. It is a higher level of thinking. We see the glass and our lives as completely full, even in the toughest situations. If you've enjoyed Live On Purpose Radio, then you will love Dr. Paul Jenkins' book on pathological positivity. Available now to order, visit pathologicalpositivity.com to get your copy today. That's pathologicalpositivity.com. Ron, before the break, we set this up, this aging. Now, you wrote a book called Aging or Ageless, Rise Like a Phoenix from the Myth of Aging. I did. And That's just me. I spent about eight, nine years on it. First, I did a course for seven years on that topic with live human beings. Right. I remember that. And then I took what worked and uh, put it into a book format and an mm -hmm. online course. There was a quotation in your book that caught my attention. It's actually one from you yourself. 
something about how when you found out that you had come down with aging, that was harder for you than healing yourself of cancer. Yeah, I got cancer 23 years ago, stomach cancer. I went to doctors and they said, well, we can do chemo, but you know, your heart will probably be destroyed five years from now. Uh -huh. We can do radiation and about the same thing. We're gonna do surgery, 50% chance you'll die on the table. I said, okay. And the doctor said, where would you like to start? And I said, well, looking at it, I'm not going to do anything. I'll just die a natural death. Ah. What? You're crazy. <laughs> because he wanted you to die an unnatural death? He wanted me to die a pay for... <laughs> whatever. Pay for deadly advice death. And you weren't interested in his opinion... I wasn't or, interested actually, in I think killing the way you, me. The way you put it in your book, you didn't buy his sales pitch. Right. And it was. He got very angry. Followed me to the elevator. Me and my wife. As you were walking out yeah, of the facility. Yelling and screaming at me. He told you your chances of surviving a year were what? Nothing. Zero. Yeah. That's not a very good sales pitch. Well, yeah, I guess he thought... I would like three or four years instead of one year. And he thought he could give you that? Well, maybe he thought he could. I don't know. Yeah. The odds aren't too favorable if you look up the statistics. Besides, I didn't want to go on living if the ultimate is just to die in pain and suffering like most people do who follow those treatments. Right. With a few exceptions. Yeah. 95% are uh, dead in five years of the common cancers. Right. Who do chemo and those approaches. Western medicine has failed abysmally on curing people of cancer. Just not a Just good track record. abysmally. That's a good way of saying it. No studies to show it works. Except with a few things like testicle cancer or um, uh, some cancers of the blood. Yeah. They do really great. Or skin cancers. So. Well, that's a whole different animal. I've had that one. <laughs> I've had that 50 times, I think. You've had it so many times you're not even tipped over by the diagnosis anymore. Well, not a skin cancer. In fact, well, I've had predictions of my death so many times that I've gotten a little um, doubtful of those predictions. Because here you are. You said this was a year ago. 23 years ago? Well, you listened to an interview of me a year ago. Yeah. I was in hospice, dying. In hospice. And Yeah, we got to live in hospice in Utah. And they don't send people there to live. No. They send them there to die. And I had, according to doctor, told my wife, two weeks or less. Two weeks. Or less. Nice. That was how long ago, Ron? A little over a year. A little over a year ago. <clears throat> and then, but I had a worse one. Okay. Two and a half years ago, uh, I lost my voice. And Couldn't talk yeah. at all. And my arm swelled up three and, times. And this isn't the way size. I remember your voice, by <clears throat> the way. Yeah. 
Although it's about like it was last week. Yeah. So, I went to the doctor. I thought of laryngitis in the emergency ward. And he examined me and he said, well, Mr. Zeller, I got some real bad news. You got serious blood clots at your lung, heart, and brain. I'll be straight with you. It's lights out for you any minute. Any minute. Any minute. That was my shortest one. Shortest prediction. Wow. That you may live till 4.30. Yeah. So I decided to go out, take a walk, join my last... And last year, you left the hospice facility to go skydiving. Well, I did. I wrote this book about an anxious life. My son, a doctor, came there, and he said, Look, old man, you talk to people about an anxious life, and you're here aging in this facility. He named me. He named you yeah. aging in a facility. And he said, you named yourself ageless. Are you going to be a hypocrite? Do you well, really believe this stuff that you teach? Yeah. <laughs> well, then get off your ass and do something ageless. I said, like what? He said, let's go skydiving today. Today. And you did. And we did. <laughs> now... <laughs> I've thought about this, and I did listen to the interview you did with Joe Polish. Yeah. Which was a long By one. By the way, your listeners can go on the internet and get that interview. Yes. If you're interested, uh, just look up me, Ron Zeller. Ron Zeller. On the internet, it'll be listed there. You'll find it, because yeah. Joe does a lot of these interviews, and it'll yeah. come up in the search. Well, just come up easy. And this one will, too. Everything comes up. Ron no, Zeller on Live On Purpose Radio. I love it. So, as I was <clears throat> as I was listening to to this description of some of the experiences you've had as I visited with you, one of the for sure things, as far as we can tell, is death. Well, as far as we can tell, it happens universally. At least what we call death, the right. all carbon. Forms, cats, humans, trees, all have a beginning, middle, and an end. Right. That's the pattern. In terms of this existence that we call life. Yeah, we're Here in a carbon-based spacesuit. But you made, and the spacesuit is an interesting analogy too. You said earlier we're not our body. And saying that we are our body is like saying that an astronaut is the spacesuit. You could look at it that way. That doesn't fit perfectly, but you could look at it that way. Yeah. We are, in our present existence, dependent on our bodies sure. for existence. And to walk around airy-fairy about it, oh, I'm just a spirit, is fine conceptually. But where the rubber hates, meets the road is to really get that. Really get it. Yeah. Like spiritual masters do right where they actually realize you know what i'm not this body that's but right that's different than saying oh well you and i are not these bodies and i take out a knife and i'm gonna chop off your arm we'll find out if your body or not <laughs> well you have a body right and it's pretty darn important and we've identified with it right 
I ask you how old you are, what do you say? I would calculate the age of my body. You would. You'd say, I'm 50 or whatever. 49. 49. And that, but that's not, you're, you're ageless. Right. Because that's who we really or are. Age. I had an interview with your amazing wife several years ago. The title <clears throat> of that interview was Living an Ageless and Limitless Life. She's yeah. an amazing example of that. Well, I like to fix and train my wife. You can. So she came out pretty good. <laughs> You're still good. trying to fix her, are she you? She came out pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks to you. She became a world champion in a sport at the age most people are getting out of it. Right. In Taekwondo. And 20 years national champion. So I decided when I was 74, I better do something ageless. So I took on... Um, Becoming a powerlifter. Powerlifting, right. As a skinny little old man at 74. Two years I won the state championship. Four years the national championship. And six years a world championship. A world championship. Yeah. In just powerlifting. Just to demonstrate we're not our bodies. That's right. But we have power over our bodies. And we have more choice over that than we might think. That's my point. Yeah. If I can somehow spend more time as an anxious being, uh, realizing that, being that, reminding myself, being that, being that, instead of doing aging, well, there's some things that open up. Some possibilities yeah. show up. Like for her, 20 years in a row, National champion, 20 years in a row. No one's ever done that, full contact fighting. Well, Mary Louise Zeller did. Yeah, no one else ever done that. She didn't even start this thing until she was in her 40s. 45. So what is it that we tell ourselves? What are these stories, what are these names that we attach to our... Right. I'm too old. And we I buy into the whole culture of aging. Buy into the name. To the name, I'm too old. Yeah. So, if death is inevitable, and perhaps it is in the way that we, like you were saying, the carbon-based life form sort of a thing, we still have some choice as to whether we, we die a traditional aging death or an ageless one. Yeah. But it's not about death, it's about life. What's the point? Of just hanging out and having a long, <laughs> long period of hanging out. You watch some of these yep. guys who fly around in wingsuits. Oh, yeah. You ever seen those? I have. And they're so alive and elated with their experience. And then, just like that, they might hit a cliff. But I think they've had a fully expressed life. Well, you mentioned an example of that with a torchbearer during the 2002 Olympics. Yeah. Who carried the torch and died later <laughs> that day. Yeah. Well, you know, they have thousands of people carry this torch. Right. And he carried it for a block or two. Sure. 26 pounds. That's not easy to hold that sucker over your head. I wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. And he did it on his last day of life. Right. And I bet he had a amazing last day. 
Absolutely. So this is an attitude. It's, eh, it's more than an attitude. Although, let's call it a way of being. A way of being. It's a position that you take toward life. It's a name that you give life. Yeah. One name I heard is pretty powerful. This is it. Mm-hmm. And life happens now, not after you, That's why whatever. That's I say this. It's now. This. Right now. This yeah. is it. Not so, tomorrow I'm going to start dieting. And it's not after you accomplish something or achieve something or resolve That's something. That's kind of worthless. That, that has us pushing it off. Pushing what off? Our, our happiness, our joy, our... It's kind of a... Experience. I think they're fun games, you know? Mm -hmm. I like winning the world championship. But when you're dying, <laughs> which I've been on a number of occasions, it doesn't make much difference. Bring Interesting. my medals to my room. Okay, now what? There they are. You know what made a difference for me when I was dying was when I got clear, I had something to say about it. Yes. So, what was I going to say? Well, I said I choose to live. And at that point, a little while later, I went out and walked for three minutes, which I could barely do. Now, Line you, and bend stuff. You've done a hundred mile ultra marathon. Yeah. A few of them. But... When dying. But when dying, you went out for three minutes. Yeah. And then next day, five. Mm -hmm. And I worked up to an hour and a half. Nurse said, what are you doing in hospice? I said, I'm strengthening. She said, people don't come here to strengthen. They come here to die. Relax. Yeah. I got some weights in my room. Started uh -huh. lifting weights. Because you were about strengthening. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I'm glad I caught you, Ron, because you're leaving the country soon. Yeah, next week. On another healing journey. Yeah. Because this yeah. is what you do. If, if the healing and strengthening is what's on the agenda, then you go do that. I keep searching. You know, five years ago, diagnosed with lung cancer. Prediction... Eight months or less. Right. You can look it up on the internet. At 80 years old, uh, people who escaped that, 0%, 0% is what they predict. Well, I'm going on my fifth year now since I was diagnosed. And it hasn't been an accident. I take actions. That's right. I don't just meditate on my navel about how I'm ageless. I also take a lot of different eat, supplements, exercise, spiritual um, meditation and things, as well as uh, rest and whatever else I find that might make a difference. So I'm going to Costa Rica. I've been there a couple months ago. And you know, I'll just say this. I think cancer's a lot to do with them. Um, <coughs> our environment. Yeah. And uh, that environment doesn't have the violence in it. 
-hmm. that's taken for granted here. The screaming and yelling on TV as people are killing each other, the air pollution, the uh, fluoride in the water, all that stuff adds up and impacts the immune system. The stuff in the food, genetically modified, on, on and on. Right. I found when I went there, it was very healing because of the absence of toxic elements. Mm-hmm. But I still think that naming trumps it all. That's... To get back to where we started. That's where we started today. And I believe that as well. I. If ab- I can be strong till I die, I've had a good life. Absolutely. If I can exist another seven years with diabetes and, and uh, arthritis and pain and stuff, I don't regard that as nothing much better than existing if I can't find joy and adventure along the way. That's right. And it's a choice. Yeah. So in Costa Rica, I went to acrobat school. (laughs) Trapezes. Trapeze flying school, they call it. Guys set up nets and stuff. And I was scared going way up high and I could barely hang on to the trapeze. But you know what? I got through the first section of flying school. Now when I go back there, I think I'll do the second. You'll take up your next course. And work course. up to letting go and catching somebody else, having them catch me. Mm. Well, Ron, there are so many different directions we could go with this. I, I love what you're doing, the message that you have the way that it's impacted my life and the lives of my clients. And it's, it's so fun for me to just finally corner you long enough to have this conversation. What would you say is the key message? I think going back to your title, aging <coughs> or ageless yeah. implies a choice. Yeah. And the key message to me is there's a choice. Got Be it. aware that there's a choice and empower yourself by actually claiming that choice. Got it. That's great. So everybody, it's that time again to live on purpose. Ron, I'm going to give you the last word. Be alive. <laughs>